When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Scornios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580! 397! Ah, uh, yes, another episode of Hot Routes. We do it on a daily basis, run through the day's news. With extra questions and NFL music in the background. It doesn't get any better than that. We have a Zolgad in studio. Courtney Cronin from ESPN. Jonathan Harrison producing. And myself, Matthew Collar. If you want to chime in on anything we talked about, wait 20 minutes. Because it is time for Hot Routes. All right. First one. Blue 80. Le'Veon Bell had more than $500,000 worth of jewelry robbed from him in a heist. No good heists anymore, right? This is a good heist. This is a good and heist. And I love the word that's heist. What, the word what, heist is just... That's what I mean. I love it. A, a good old-fashioned jewelry heist. Like, what's next? Someone's robbing a train? This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. This is fantastic. Yes, probably. A heist. So, let's say that you guys committed a jewelry heist, and you stole... in jewels and you cash it in, you you sell it and you've got to spend the money, get rid of it. You got to run through it. You got to buy frivolous things, things that just make you happy. You are not paying parking tickets. No, you're not paying your bills. No, you're not saving it. You're not burying in the backyard. You are spending it on frivolous things. Tell me, Courtney, Judd, Jonathan, what are you spending $500,000 of jewelry heist money This isn't frivolous, but I'm preparing for the market to crash, so I'm buying $500,000 worth of gold. What? That... It's currency that is safe. Do something stupid like I would. I mean, okay, if I'm going to do something stupid... No, that's important. I was prepared for this. You never said it had to be something stupid. He's concerned about the financial rapture. He said frivolous. Frivolous. It says right there in the preparation. I I I send you the... Yes, I see it. Right there. I could also do Bitcoin or I could do some other... You know what? Just because I'm worried about the security of our market with all of the tariff nonsense that's going on with Mexico and China right now, doesn't mean that I can't. Yeah, 651-646-8255. Trump, yes or no? (laughs) 
I thought you might say like candy or something. What is <laughs> no protein bars? That would have been something to spend. No, I probably hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I probably on. get told I bought the wrong one. I miss having inside purple podcast jokes. Um, Go to Judd. I'm I'm sticking with my. That's gold. the record for the worst answer that has ever been given on Hot Routes, Judd. Okay, I took this very seriously because the word was today's word, like a Sesame Street show was frivolous, frivolous, <laughs> frivolous. not prepping for the future. Okay, so I have sold I have sold Le'Veon Bell's jewelry, and I have gotten and I've gone to pawn shops. So I've gotten cold hard cash, which is unmarked. <laughs> it can't be traced. I am buying two things. I am buying uh, two or three huge screen or more TVs to to set up a great sports room, like a sports book, for myself. And with the remaining money i am buying really good tickets behind home plate courtside to sporting events where i can sit in places that i ordinarily cannot sit. marlin's man you basically want to become marlin's man as sad as that sounds because it really sounds pathetic when term like that (laughs) you're absolutely correct yes i would love i would love to go to sporting events and sit where i can't afford to sit i like it jonathan frivolous i'm uh buying a lot of video games a lot of movies and a lot of soccer tickets can you really make $500,000 out of video games? No, not out of just video games, but soccer tickets to tickets around the world. Okay. Which oh, includes, yeah, around the world. No, that's right. Yeah, no, Hotels, that's, planes, okay. stuff like that. Okay, I like it. Here's what I'm doing. I Now, uh, so when I worked for a minor league baseball team, uh, my minor league baseball team was up for sale. And they wanted somewhere in the range of $5 million. But, of course, the team was not in great shape and it was not worth $5 million. I want to, with my 500 k become a co-owner or top partner in an ownership group to buy my old minor league baseball team. A couple of us get together, Which was? throw in our cash, the Batavia Muck Dogs. Okay. Single, <laughs> single A team. Great name. We're going to go all in and invest. Are you going to go back to doing own... play-by-play for them as the owner? I, know, I, am, I think you have to. I am owner Manager, no, actually, you can't do that if you're affiliated. But I'm owner, general manager, broadcaster, and also in charge of food. We had bad food because they didn't give us food before the game because they're cheap and bleeding money. But it was bad even if you bought it. It Like old crusty fries, just hot dogs. It was bad. So I'm also in charge of food. But yes, I would buy all in to my old uh, minor league baseball team. The only, frivolous, the, the only frivolous thing I would buy would be like those... You kids. can't circle back. Nope. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it really quick. <laughs> Buying a star. <laughs> one of those people who are like, oh, here's your star. That doesn't cost $500,000. Maybe you buy I'd all buy the, the stars. I would the buy whole it. sky is yours. She'd buy a share of the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> She'd buy a certificate. I'm an owner of the Green Bay Packers. I, I didn't say light your money on fire. <laughs> but <laughs> buying a star is. All right, next hot route. Green 80. <sighs> um, my voice isn't good enough to really scream them out today. Chicago Bears are employing... Augusta silence for their kicking competition. So everyone goes completely silent as their three kickers take the field. The reasoning to add extra pressure as if it's ever just completely quiet for them to kick. But anyway, over under this year for the Chicago Bears, 1.5 game winning kicks that are missed by their kickers. Over because this makes absolutely no sense to ramp up pressure. I mean, all Matt Nagy has done this offseason is savage Cody Parkey 
for what happened in the NFC Wild Card game at every turn. And then he brings in his rookie kickers and has them go the distance of the double doink. Like, you start there. Now you're employing, like, let's just have it be really quiet. And let's see if this doesn't, like, screw with their psyche at all. I mean, do you oh, know what man. committing psychological warfare is? This. <laughs> Against your own players. Well, I mean, it's happened here in Minnesota with kickers, too. So, I, I mean, know. you know. Matt Nagy has taken over as the most clueless head coach of how to handle kickers. Get a kicking coach, right? I mean, get should, a kicking coach. Shoot, why did he? He should have. Get a kicking coach. Over, most definitely, because when you do this, here's the one thing I, I think that can screw up a kicker instantly. When the coach is more afraid of the kicker than anyone else in the franchise, Zimmer, Tice was like this, Nagy, he is, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy when you pull this crap that your kicker is going to freak out because he is not, get this, a football player, he's a kicker. It's over, and it's Nagy's fault. Jonathan, yeah, the Bears are going to be in a lot of close games, and making it harder on your kickers who come out once or twice or three times a game is going to be, it's just, it's a dumb idea. It's going to be over. Yeah, I think it is going to be over also because I've never heard of any of these kickers except the guy named Blewett. And if they <laughs> hire the guy named Blewett, he is definitely going to blow it. <laughs> I love that name. Um, okay, next hot route. The New Orleans Saints are putting Marcus Colston and Reggie Bush in their team Hall of Fame. Two-part question for you guys. A, was Reggie Bush a good NFL player? And B, how many Vikings on the current roster end up in their ring of honor? Okay, so like his Saints career, I would put like an asterisk next to it because 2010 was like all the Heisman controversy that overshadowed the entire year. He never had great seasons. Like, I mean, I just think that the whole thing was his best years came after he was with the Saints. When he was with Miami, he rushed over a thousand yards, almost nearly twice, Detroit too. Um, I don't think he was a great NFL player. I think he was serviceable. I think the hype surrounding him set him up for failure. And then on top of the Heisman controversy, that really did overshadow the end part of his career in New Orleans. That's probably, I, I mean, if you want to, I don't know. The Saints have a lot of really good players. I just feel like he was a name that was so big and he did enough that they'll probably bring him in here and into the mix. Um, I have my list of I just, see, I just wonder if, if you would put someone who was just okay no. like he was. I mean, I'm looking at his stat page and he caught a lot of passes, so that was effective for them. But he's kind of a scat back and he never played outside of his first year 16 games with New Orleans. He was hurt all yeah. the time. He, you're right about him being better for Miami and to some extent Detroit as well than he actually Just was for the New Orleans teams. Saints. Yeah. If they don't win the Super Bowl during his time there, he's looked at as a pretty big bust. So I'm kind of surprised that they're putting him in their team Hall of Fame. Yeah. And do you want my Vikings players? Yeah, so I'm going to put go in the ahead. ring. Yep. All right. So I'm going to put Harrison Smith in there. It seems fairly obvious. Um, and Adam Thielen. I'm stopping there. I was going to consider Daniil Hunter. Um, too early. Too early. Yep. But, you know, if you think about it, okay, the guys that they have in there right now, I mean, like, City Rice is never going to get into the Ring of Honor, is he? No, like, he, I no mean, shot. There's, no. there's other, there's other like core players of teams yeah. that are not going to get into it. Like, I want to go elite of elite, even though it's not, might not be the NFL Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Your team Hall of Fame should be like your best players. It should Absolutely. be a small number. Smith goes in for sure. Uh, Th- Thielen 
probably goes in. But I, I was th- thinking about this. Okay, so he and he goes in, and then I thought, well, would Diggs go in? And I thought, probably not. And then I thought to myself, Judd, why are you thinking that that way? And of course, it's because Thielen is a great story from here. If Thielen was from, let's say, Chicago, I, I think there'd be a chance, depending on the arc of his career, that he goes in. But I don't think it's the slam dunk that I probably do right now. So I would say the one surefire one that deserves it off this team, Harrison Smith. Yeah, Thielen, I'm a little bit more torn on and think I'm going down that path probably because of the story as much as the play. And the uh, book just very far away from being written on both of those guys in yeah. my mind. Well, and Diggs could still be a guy, too. But as of today, my one guy for sure, Harrison Smith. And Reggie Bush was, I think, a very serviceable, good player, drafted far too high. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about him, as I was going through and doing in-depth research for this segment... As everyone should. Is this. You should be doing it at home. If Reggie Bush was drafted, if Reggie Bush was coming out of USC, had been coming out of USC in April, and was taken, let's say, at the 10th spot, and used in today's league as a versatile scat back, I think he'd be pretty damn good. He was basically drafted just a decade, basically too soon. Well, no, in the I way, that, that. yeah, in the way that you use running backs now, the way that he now, was used at USC. I mean, he wanted to be like that exact same player, and the Saints just didn't make him. That. Which is really weird because Sean Payton's a great offensive mind. But I think that they used him to his strength, which was receiving early on in his career. Eighty-eight catches his first year, seventy-three the next year. He was a weapon for them out of the backfield. But then they got away but from just it. Not like, in the yeah, not in the traditional. So I think but he, he also w- got hurt too. That was part of it. I mean, one year he's got fifty-two catches in ten games. So they're still throwing it to him, but he's just injured a lot. His last year there, he only played eight games. So I think he was good, but certainly he didn't have an opportunity or didn't deliver on the expectation of, my God, he's what, a top yeah, two pick? So yeah, number two pick just in the 2006 much. draft. So we we agree on, on Reggie Bush. Uh, Jonathan, yeah. any Vikings that were not mentioned that you think could make the uh, Ring of Honor? I think you mentioned it was too early for Daniel Hunter. If he keeps going the way he's going right now, then yes, he'll get in. I do have a question. If they win a Super Bowl and Kirk Cousins is the reason, does nope. he get in? Nope. He will. I, I, if, you, if you are the Super Bowl win winning Super quarterback, Bowl. you get in. It, it could be anybody. Kavaris Jackson uh, could come back and play one game, but if it's the Super Bowl and he wins, he's in. If they in. win a Super Bowl, Jonathan Harrison, this town burns. Don't worry about it. We're not going <laughs> to have There's no, no, about no it stadium point. left. Understand it. Uh, that's that's a good one. Good question, though. For, I mean, yeah, for it's me, good I, to I, consider. I agree with you guys. The the one that is a little bit difficult and might actually depend on how he does even this year is Everson Griffin because his perennial Pro Bowler, a great story of a guy who started off as a bit player who became really, really, really good. If he has another great season, twelve sack season or something. Then I think he's going to have a really good argument for it. Uh, next hot route, Tom Brady is uh, now enshrouded in controversy after filing a trademark on Tom Terrific, which you going to be like a cartoon character. So you wouldn't have think that you wouldn't think that it would have been a big deal. Guys do this all the time. If you get a nickname, then you file a trademark. So you make sure people don't make money off of Kirk file for you like that. And he should, it, it always becomes a story. Players always get made fun of. Mm-hmm. They should. They're protecting themselves from being taken advantage of by just anybody who yeah. wants to use their likeness. Turns out that uh, Tom Terrific <clears throat> is Tom Seaver. Yeah, it didn't turn out. Everyone knew that. Who <laughs> Except would follow Tom, Tom Brady, yeah. apparently, yeah. So uh, Tom Brady now had to apologize for trying to trademark Tom Seaver's nickname. And especially, I think Tom Seaver isn't in good health. That makes it look even yeah. worse. 
I would like around the room, you folks, to file a trademark with a nickname that you have made up for yourself. <laughs> I have a story behind this, so don't tell me my thing's lame. Let me just explain. <laughs> I mean, um, you couldn't do worse my- today after the gold nugget thing, so... My initials are CRC, Courtney uh-huh. Roseland Cronin. Uh-huh. My brother's initials are TM, Thomas Michael Cronin. So back in the day, I used to get livid because TM would be all over the place. And I'd like, just be like why does Michael's initials get to be on everything? But on milk cartons and on other things, you'd see a little triangle with CRC in it. And so I felt like, okay, there's some, um, you know, I'm able to make up for that. Like I too have my name I places. I so see. I would trademark actually CC. My nickname, my my likeness, my everything, my identity. And then you would sue Gmail? Yes. <laughs> so everybody, <laughs> no, so everybody tried to carbon copy an email. Okay, no, that's not sue. bad. That's not bad. I would trademark... Zulgat in all caps. No, no, no. The the phrase Jolton Judd because I have as much right to go after a Jolton Joe DiMaggio uh, nickname as Tom Brady does to use Tom Terrific. And by the way, did you see Brady's explanation today of why he did this? No, he explained it. He lied, of course, but he explained it. He cl- he told. Okay, if you could play it, that's yeah, great. That'd be great. Yeah. There. It's unfortunate. I was actually trying to do something because I didn't like the nickname, and I wanted to make sure no one used it because some people wanted to use it. So um, what? I was trying to keep people from using it, and then it got spun around to something different than what it was. So um, mm. good lesson learned. No, this was definitely for one of his Facebook things. shows, 100%, like 100%. Tom versus Time. The yeah. episode nine yeah. of this season is going to be called Tom Terrific. I'm calling complete BS on that. Yep. No, but nobody was trying to use it. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Thank you. But. Okay, so Jolton Judd. <laughs> Jolton uh, Judd. I was hoping you would use the the Z though, if you had something with. I want. But you I to... think I really think that Zolgad is already a brand. I mean, but that needs a little TM next to it for trademark. <laughs> Ain't no one wanting Zolgad but me though, so that's uh, fine. The Zag and Zolgad, Jolton Judd. Um, Jolton all right, Jonathan, Judd, what is your trademark nickname? It's not the one I know you guys really want me to use around here. Corn dog. Just not gonna happen. Sorry. When you double fist corn dogs for lunch, that was one someone's going to notice. I know. It doesn't matter if it's one day. You need to own that. But anyway. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to go with the one that other people already call me and John Bob because of the email. Okay. Is that your middle name? No. It's a weird nickname I got in high school for some reason. Bob. Oh. John so I Bob. Just, well, it was Bob in high school for some reason. Then I just oh. put it in the email. No backstory whatsoever. No, people there was legitimately you no backstory. It's just wow. Someone decided to call you Bob and yeah. stuck. Mm, yeah. I think trademarking Bob would be tough. So go yeah, with John be. Bob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will go with a nickname that I was given by our friend Lindsey Brown, who works here. Is call me maybe because collar C O L L. I think it might be hard to trade. Call me maybe. No, see, it's it's C O L L, not C A L L. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next hot route. That one stunk it up at the end. <laughs> yeah, that really fell really, really flat. I don't have I mean, a hot be- route's a great, it's a great segment, but right there. We- if you switch my first letter of my first name and last letter and last name, it's Kat Mahler, which I like. Trademark that. That's so much cooler than okay, Call right. Me Maybe. Sorry. Yeah. I thought, no offense to I Lindsay or anything. Call Me Maybe was funny and clever, but No, it's not, Kat two- Mahler, it's not 2011 anymore. Right. It's not cute. It wasn't. Wow. It wasn't cute back then. I Thank you, Judd. Man, it was never. Me and Zulgat are like super fire on the yeah. same page. I today. like the fact that 
Cronin's becoming far more pessimistic and spicy <laughs> no. with her takes. It's just outstanding. It's amazing. Like her, I'm sort of proud. I think her coming in twice a week now and being around you two times is really uh, <laughs> I'm proud of her in a bad way. I think she's doing a great job. All right, final hot route of the day. Terrell Pryor signed with the Jaguars. So he's flamed out in a couple of spots as a wide receiver uh, after having pretty much just one good year with the Browns. Do you guys think that if Terrell Pryor had come out this year, now in the draft, he would have stuck quarterback? And also, the Vikings having a wide receiver three crisis, should they have taken a shot at Terrell Pryor? Eh. I think it's hilarious. I mean, just kind of what's going on with... I mean, John Filippo cannot outrun this guy. I think he was with him in Oakland and then again in Cleveland, and now he's with the Jags. Um, I still don't understand why he didn't stick at quarterback after like, the three seasons he had at Ohio State. I'll never really truly understand like why they felt that was so necessary um, you know, for his NFL career to move him to wide receiver. Would I take a flyer on him? Maybe. But does he really... I mean... Is he going to outproduce anybody else that I already have in competition for the number three wide receiver position? Like, I don't think so. 77 catches in 2016. Since then, 20, yeah, nothing. 16, 14. I'll, t- I'll, I'll put Jordan Taylor right now up against him. <laughs> Jed? Uh, if he came out right now and got drafted an opportunity, I think he does stick at quarterback. I'm not saying he makes it a quarterback. I just, but why I think why he's did he not given stick the, in 2011? I just don't understand. Now, Oakland did uh, try him over the course of two seasons at quarterback. Yeah, it looks like he had 10, happened? 10 starts, 14 games. Well, that's Oakland. the problem. 12 picks, 9 touchdowns. So I think he gets a chance. I don't know he makes it there, but but um, they gave up, it seemed like, fairly quickly. Now I think there's more of an extended chance there. Uh, he got a one-year contract from the Jaguars, $930,000 base salary, $645,000 cap hit. Sure, why not give him a chance? Okay, he doesn't make it. That's next to nothing. He, he's the typical type of guy that if he goes to training camp and doesn't press you, as a uh, potential wide receiver three, you just simply cut. Mm-hmm. So if you had the cap room, which they probably don't, to attempt that, it makes some sense. Why not? Why not try it? What do you say, Bob? I think teams are more likely these days to give a quarterback who's mobile more of an opportunity. Yeah. So I think he does stick longer this time if he was drafted now. Uh, at that number that Judd mentioned, yeah, I'd throw him a shot. Why not? He ran 83 times for 576 yards in nine starts in 2013. That's pretty much what Lamar Jackson was doing for the Baltimore Ravens, and I don't know why he didn't stick, or maybe he just pulled the shoot too early for himself. I mean, they had talked about him as a wide receiver coming out or some other position, and maybe he just decided, well, it doesn't look like anybody's going to really invest in me as a quarterback since he was not a high draft pick, was it? Didn't he come out in the, what is the other draft? Supplemental that, draft. Yeah, the supplemental draft. doesn't exist draft. anymore. Yeah, he was a suppl- third-round supplemental pick, so it's not like somebody invested a high draft pick in him. Had they done that, had he been a first-round or second-round draft pick, I think that they would have invested much more, and he would have become kind of that all-around rushing weapon. I don't know if he ends up becoming a big-time winner, but I think he gets a lot more time. And I, for $900,000, would have said, bring him on in. Why not? What's the difference? You already spent that money on Sean Mannion, though. I know. That, I was, know. that was where Once it was. Once you go all in on Mannion, you can't go that back. That was the $900,000 veteran minimum that you could have spent on Terrell Pryor. Uh, Judd Mageddon was suggested for a Judd nickname. 
Wow, I wouldn't have thought on, of that. All Twitter, right, yeah. yeah, okay. All right, that is today's edition of Hot Routes. Oh, yeah. We were having a discussion about <laughs> who gets the credit, who gets the blame, if things go right or if things go wrong. I it, heard. Will, it will go one way or the other, I suppose. Um, so, want to run a couple of takes by you, Mr. Zolged. When we return, you are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. I'm beyond excited about an opportunity I have to just start over. Um, a new team. Obviously, the goal is always going to be the same. Uh, to hang banners that's what you play this game for but we know we got a lot of expectations we know we got a lot of work to do um and i think we'll get there that was odell beckham jr talking for the first time this spring in zolgad's mind probably 21 days too late because he should have showed up at otas <laughs> it'd be nice um, <laughs> new team wouldn't it be nice to show up right? and actually new work offen- with them yeah exactly new wouldn't o- that make sense new offense i mean did you hear what larry fitzgerald said about kyler murray earlier so he knows the offense better than i do well, that's high praise. I mean, ima- not true, but high praise. I mean, imagine, imagine if uh, Baker if I, Mayfield is saying true. that about OBJ. Might be true. Might be true because of Kingsbury. Oh, maybe. Very true. But it's a anyway, new offense. Yeah, for show up. You know, OBJ, show up. Come on. So about an hour and a half ago, I was firing everybody, and this is before Judd got oh, here. God. We were we were breaking it out, <laughs> like you know, if things go great, here's what happened. If things go really bad, here's what happened. And of course. Because I'm a skeptic, I went to the really bad first. So, Judd, I'm going to pose that same question to you. Uh, <laughs> since you were not able to join us for the first hour. I listened, though. What were your thoughts? Do you think I'm spot on with my with my scapegoat five, six, seven weeks in, whenever, if it does happen that way? Um, You know, I... Or what would you do differently? <clears throat> so... I, the only re- reason why I don't think you're right is if it goes if it goes sideways, offensively especially, mm-hmm. Kubiak has control. I like Kevin. Stefanski's a nice guy. And he he was Childress's right-hand aide when, when uh, I was on the beat and Brad got here. And so he's a good guy, and I think he's a good football guy. But let's be honest about this. He is, I'm sure, going to have input, and, and the players like him. But he is as much the coordinator of that offense as I am. It's Kubiak. Yeah. So I don't know that. I don't think if things go really wrong, I don't think that you can scapegoat him. But you can take away his play calling because right. But I'm going to challenge that and say week one. What is that? Like Kevin. So you think that by week one, Gary Kubiak is already calling plays? Yes, most definitely. Kubiak's up in the press box, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Stefanski's downstairs, right? Correct. Stefans- at least, at least that's how it was yes. last year. They brought Kevin down onto the yes. field, and, and I think that when when Gary did his press conference, that he said that he was going to be up in the coach's yes. box. So Stefanski's going to be down on the field, probably side by side with Kirk. I th- I don't think for one second that Kevin Stefanski's going to be. I'm not saying he won't weigh in, but I don't think for one second that he's going to be the predominant play caller. I think it's going to go back and forth, and there's going to be. If nothing else, Kevin's going to know exactly what Gary wants from Kevin. So That's my feeling. Courtney went micro on this, looking at if it's a bad start, if they don't have offensive explosiveness early on, who's going to be uh, getting the blame? I went sort of bigger picture here over the last few years, because if they come up short again, then it's two years in a row. Three out of the last four, they would have missed the playoffs. And then it looks like a blip on the radar where they went to the NFC Championship game instead of what they can do consistently, right? And I was thinking of, about this, Judd, as it will come down harder on the front office than it will the head coach. Because I 
really struggle to see a scenario where Zimmer's defense would be bad enough that he would be getting the blame. And even though Zimmer is the one that wanted to bring everybody back, bring Everson Griffin, bring Anthony Barr, don't trade Trey Wayans, all those moves, um, I still think that it will reflect on the quarterback play, whether they make the playoffs and succeed or not, which ultimately goes back to the front office going all in and making that decision. And especially if in some world Case Keenum is great for Washington, it's not going to happen. But if, if especially if that happens or if Drew Brees gets hurt and Teddy's great for New Orleans or something like that, there could be other outside factors that point to this. But especially if, even say this, that they have to trade Kyle Rudolph here in the next few weeks and Irv Smith isn't up to the task. All these things, the offensive line doesn't perform again, and they decided, or the center that they drafted doesn't work out very well. Any of these things, if they go 7-9-8-8, I think Zimmer survives, and they still believe in him as head coach, and the front office is the one who feels the brunt. They're all gone. They're all fired. Think so? Oh, yeah, yeah, because if they go, if they go, if they miss the playoffs again, the feeling is going to be this. Mike is really good at what Mike does well. But what Mike does well has been bypassed by how football is now. They will hire if seven and nine and probably eight and eight will cause them to fire everybody and bring in an offensive coach. Because they will say that Mike's philosophy, which which at was brought in at, at a time when every other team in the division had a quarterback who was competitive and good, that that philosophy doesn't work now as we go into 2020. So I think there, there will be justification and the other x factor that could play and i don't know this for sure but that could play a very important role is kevin warren leaves if they hire a new coo especially from the outside who comes in and and prides himself on being a football guy which lots of people do hey i could sell tickets but i know football and that person gets in the wilfs ear that could be extremely detrimental to Zimmer, Spielman, and everybody else. But I think anything less than a playoff berth, unless it's just some weird deal where everybody gets hurt, everybody's gone, and you're looking at an offensive-minded head coach here. I don't necessarily agree with that, that they both have to be connected. I mean, They've been connected the whole time, though. He's going off of history. No, I, I understand that. But I think that where this starts to go in a different way is two things. I think it's the quarterback contract, and I know they all got in a room, they all decided, but it's the front office who negotiates the contract. They're the ones who paid it out. They're the ones who signed everything and brought Kirk Cousins here. And if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to reflect of what their quarterback play is going to be. And I, I think that the other part of it is that Zimmer could entirely do his job correct, and they could still have things go wrong if the offensive line does not show improvement. And the way that you might look at that is you would say, look, just too little, too late. I mean, Josh Klein is not good. And that's the guy that you ended up going out and spending money on, right? And and that is where I think it could still end up looking at, look, going back years, you guys did not fix this offensive line. You didn't address it. And if it goes wrong, Zimmer had really nothing to do with whether except Garrett he, Bradbury could step except, right in or not. Except Mike pushed Case out the door. Rick, Rick, as Rick is going to be thrown off the boat into the high seas, his last words will be, it was Mike who pushed Case out that door. And okay. Mike did push Case out that door. But they could have franchise tagged Case, and they could have kept him around. 
But Mike didn't. But he never trusted Case. And and look, that's what Rick's I mean, going to say. If you're talking about how they could throw things back and forth at each other, certainly the front office could say he told us to do it. Yeah. That we were following his orders on what he saw with the quarterbacks on tape, and we know that Zimmer never bought into Case Keenum. But also bringing Anthony Barr back every time Mike Zimmer has talked in the last two years, he said this is the best player ever, and he's my best friend and my son, and don't let him leave. And so they were forced when he decided to turn around and come back. They were forced yeah. to keep Anthony but Barr they'll, here. They'll say that. But I just, I don't see how, so if you have a new COO and GM, if you're the, the COO Wills, thing could change you are everything. not yeah, going to force those two people to be like, and here's your curmudgeonly head coach. So you're saying that regardless that they would have, I mean, even if Rick still is GM, if, if, if it somehow works with the COO is somebody different and in the lines with Spielman, sure. that the two of them together would be able to, after a seven and nine or eight and eight in a playoff missed season, be like, reevaluate. You guys are in charge of running of you know of who who runs this operation from a coaching perspective. Well, I think if you if we're talking about a non playoff year and and guys don't get hurt in mass, I think they're all fired. If we're talking about a playoff year, I think they're they're fine. But it's just the the. COO part of this is going to become important because we've seen those people, if especially if they come in from the outside before, have their own ideas. And we've also seen several cases where those people pride themselves on being sports people. I'm a sports guy. Yeah, I know, I know yep. football. And that can be death because that person then says, okay, I'm your guy or gal, but if I'm that person, I get to run this show, and guess what? I don't like Rick that much, and Mike doesn't do what I want, and, and so... Warren stepping out that door creates a potential very inter- interesting scenario because the Wilfs are apt to listen to those type of people. Okay, let me turn it back the other way because we discussed this a little bit um, earlier, but not as much because, uh, of course, calamity is more interesting. But what would it take, Judd, for Kirk Cousins to get the credit for a winning team, for a a truly successful Minnesota Vikings season, which I think has to be an NFC Championship appearance. I don't think they necessarily have to be in the Super Bowl, but if they make the NFC title game, then we will say that was a really successful season. Mm -hmm. What does he have to do for that, or what has to happen for that? Because I don't think that even just playing well gets him that credit, because I think a lot of it will go to Gary Kubiak, it will go to Delvin Cook, it will go to Diggs and Thielen, it will go to Zimmer's defense, if they're that successful. Are you talking about from a realistic end here or a perception end? Because the perception end, the perception end, I think they have started the ball in motion here to attempt this. And I don't know, it might not be possible. But the fact that Kubiak's not going to talk much to us becomes very important because the hope then is, well, we'll just forget that Gary's the puppet string guy, right? (laughs) So, so I think they are, I think that there's a concerted effort for us to say, oh my God, look at what Kirk's doing can we talk to gary about it? and they're like no talk to kirk about it or talk to stefanski or talk to stefanski right so if if gary kubiak was going to go up to a podium once a week and things go great we're all going to be like gary what are you doing but their their hope from i think a public relations slash media standpoint is we'll just sort of forget about him and hyper focus on kirk but can kirk as a personality do what you're talking about and get all the credit or a, a lot of the credit I don't know. I think people are going to see through it. Yeah, I, think I think that right. there will be the moments because he's going into his eighth year doing this. Like, I, you know, well, who's going to try that from, from our end? Sid will try that. 
Certain people at a competing all sports station will try that mm-hmm. because basically what to you're, give him to give yes Kirk to all give the Kirk credit. the credit yeah. because you're talking collar I think about molding the public perception of things because mm-hmm. if you're smart you're going to see through it but if you just drink the purple Kool Aid these are the people who love four thousand yards yeah. thirty touchdowns and ten interceptions people, these are fantasy people mm-hmm. people who love that they will give Kirk all the credit not real football and skull people, people and skull people but the skull, but- skull. <laughs> but it's not. They believe it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the purple colored glasses people who are going to say that Kirk got it turned around. They they did what they needed to do this off season. He carried his end by. And they're trying util- already. This. Oh, absolutely. You're they're right. utilizing all the pieces around him in terms of the coaching staff that's supposed to be basically creating wa- Washington part de here. And then you know, with all of the all of the additions that they had this off season from the draft to you know. You know the four straight picks that they spent to help Kirk, and whether they keep Rudolph around, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's on Kirk to do it. So even even if it's like the slightest bit better, I think that there will be the credit given him. Like, hey, it wasn't Kirk's fault. It wasn't the offense's fault. It wasn't this, that, and the other thing. And you know, completely skirting him of accountability, which honestly, because he had numbers last year, was why he was able to skirt responsibility so many times. He's like, well, my stats back it up. My stat said I was good without it, it, looking at situations. He skirted football. it with some, certainly. Some, yeah. Not, not skeptic all. not people who understood like what actually happened and why they lost games and were watching final drives where he fumbles. Um, you know, I think that that's he will get a lot of the credit and deservedly so if he can be better. If he can if he can rise above the flaws of his game with the you know, just the mental makeup that he has, with the processing, with being quicker with decisions. I mean, you have the weapons in place. You have a very good offense right now, as it is. I mean, you have two of the best receivers in the NFL. You have a dynamic running back who, you know, if he's able to stay healthy, maybe he finally comes into that that role that everybody's expected him for so long. And you could probably do some more with some heavier packages if you're able to keep two tight ends around that, you know, complement each other. And even still, I mean, that number two tight end job, if, if they get rid of Kyle Rudolph or he's not here, I mean, they can make it work. But how much of that rests on Kirk is heavy. Because they've done their part, and I think that they're kind of almost set up to be like, hey, we did our part, we got you everything, we fixed the coaching staff, we fixed the players, we fixed everything, now it's on you. That could become not a schism, but it could become kind of the headbutting of, hey, we did our thing, now it's on you to do yours. Question off that point, and this has been true, I swear to God, since the day that I started to cover this team, and I don't think it's true across lots of teams. Why is it that the Vikings always seem to have a collection of not just players, but executives, coaches who want to say, not my fault, your fault. I feel like that's league wide. Yeah. Don't you? I I think that's a, yeah, I think it's a league wide NFL. I mean, it's a win now league. So it's kind of like if, if, it just always if, seems like there's a bailout for yep. everybody to be like, oh, yep. I'm pulling the parachute, not my fault. At, I mean, at least for one other franchise that I've been around, I can confirm <laughs> that it's the same way. Now, the uh, the dynamic with Cousins is interesting to me because <laughs> I think if he wins, no matter how it happens, then it's just going to be like, even if he throws three interceptions a game and they win, it'll be, he was worth it. He was worth getting it, because, uh, paying him that much money and getting him here because they won the games. And I don't even necessarily disagree with that. It doesn't really matter what his statistics are that he puts up, that there will be a lot of people who do want to give him a ton of praise, and he'll probably deserve it if that's the case. The The question is, when you bring this up, is can you see him being the reason that they're winning a lot of games, aside from the ones where he has classic Kirk Cousins 
the game was out of hand early and threw for a bunch of yards. Or, I mean, last year he beats the Jets and doesn't have a good game at all, but beats the Jets because that's just, you know, he got three interceptions thrown by Sam Darnold, and that's how it worked out. For me, so this is a, this is kind of two different conversations. It's like the outside perception that you guys are talking about. I think just in general, if you ever win, people will run to heap praise on you in the NFL. We saw this with Case Keenum. How many NFL analysts were like, oh, you should believe in Case Keenum because he's winning games. And, uh, you know, anybody who's watching closely says this is a ticking time bomb that's about to blow up in the NFC Championship game. And boom, it did. Uh, but here, people who watch every single game scrutinize Kirk Cousins a little bit more. I think that. There's going to have to be more games like the Packers game last year where they win because of him. That it's not just, oh, look, Kubiak did the play-action thing and he threw to somebody wide open. It's going to have to be things that we saw from Teddy Bridgewater in 2015 where even though Adrian Peterson was so effective, it was every big situation he came through. There's going to need to be more of that, and that's where I don't know if he's capable of it or not. Well, and the primetime thing's going to be huge. Yeah, If he's able to buck that notion that he stinks in primetime and that he cannot play against really elite competition, it's not the bright lights, it's not the stage. Play in front of a million people every week. It's a competition. And that, to me, is going to be the biggest part here because that's the easiest narrative to set up. That was the biggest flaw. They stunk in all their primetime games except the one against a really bad Green Bay team in Week 12. Can he well, be better in that circumstance? And when when you throw the ball backwards yes. and you're the only game going on, guess what? The country sees it mm-hmm. and thinks, yep. what a putz. The the thing, though, about Cousins, <laughs> what do they do? You see him throw the ball backwards it's and Thielen's wide open. Though. You it's think, a what a putz? Word. What's that putz doing? I could do that in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. I could do that. But, but I think, uh, quickly, I think the starting point needs to be this, though. It not... He has to win you games. He can't lose you games. Yeah, that's a very simple thing yep. to say. But guess what? Buffalo can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I totally agree that if if he can win eleven games without having uh, those moments that he had last year, uh, where he's getting strip sacked and basically ruining any chance that you have to win. I mean, when you fumble the ball in your own zone twice to start the game. Uh, you're ruining your chances to win right there because that's automatic points for the other team almost. Um, but can he do that? He's never done that during his career. Those things have always been a part of who he is as a quarterback. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Finally, we will address something I've been teasing. An air quote trade rumor. Air very much. Super air quoting trade rumor. When we return here on Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, I've been getting tweets for several days. How many tweets do you think that I've gotten, Courtney? Can you uh, maybe estimate somewhere? Somewhere in the 65 to 69 range. (laughs) That's what I was looking for. Um, I have gotten. Why am I not surprised? Many, many tweets. Many tweets. This is a game we play at training camps. Like, hey, so uh, that guy looks like he's limping. What do you think happened to him? And then you'll, you know. Come up with some like maybe a <laughs> raccoon bit him or something, you know. Just, <laughs> you know, it's stuff just, like that. I love that's recu- that's technically reckless speculation yeah, in real is. life. We stand out there for a long time. Oh, training camp training gets camp. incredibly yeah. boring. Uh, so. <laughs> There's nothing really fun about covering training camp. People have sent me tweets about Trent Williams. He apparently wants to be traded away from the DC franchise, which um, first player ever to have any troubles with that uh, <laughs> squad, right? Um, so of course, I have gotten a bunch of. Um, 
tweets about whether the Vikings could make that happen. And my answer would be on the Madden video game, probably. In real life, teams usually don't try to trade a Hall of Fame caliber player um, over to a team they're playing this year. Any thoughts? I'm looking at this from a strictly financial thing. They well, can't afford him. The they can't afford the $15 cap million dollar cap yeah. hit. I mean, you'd have to, as we talked about earlier before this segment, um, you'd have to get rid of Reef, which is a $10 million uh, cap savings because he's post-June 1 right now. Um, and then you'd have to trade Rudolph or cut him. Mm-hmm. So you'd have money there. But is it really worth it? I mean, right now. And at that point in time, again, by taking on his contract, though, you'd be as up against the cap basically as you for, were for, before. Yeah, you don't have any relief that you're trying to carry over in 2020. Uh-huh. I, don't think, I don't think it's worth it. It's certainly intriguing, but it, it would be so hard to make work. And then you'd have to make more moves financially, obviously, to clear out more cap room before the 53-man roster and practice squad was set. Yeah, I think it'd be too tough. Yeah, I'm all for reckless trades, as you guys remember. I love the from, idea. But... From such reckless ideas as Antonio Brown to the Vikings to recreate or Josh Mastro Rosen. Reed, or Josh, or Josh Rosen. Prior. But I can't make Trent Williams work. I just can't. Like I, I don't know. No trade tracker. I don't know how you are. No cap tracker. And I don't know why they're giving him to another NFC team that's going to be battling for a wild card spot. Because uh, they're Washington. That's all I got. That is Purple Daily for today. Uh, Myron Metcalf will be with me tomorrow. We're going to talk drama. Mackie and Judd Rami up next to talk Craig Kimbrell to the Cubs. We'll uh, continue here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.